2: Well, unfortunately, we have to start the show out with two tragedies that happened over the weekend. Of course, one in El Paso in Texas, the other in Ohio um, in Dayton, I believe. Now, for me, if you follow me online, I, I, was, I checked out. I was out the whole weekend. We went to a friend's wedding, um, limited social media access. It was kind of nice to just ignore everything in the news. But I did see things pop up from time to time, and here and there, I did get a moment to to jump on and, and follow the news and see what was going on, uh, but not to get, you know, rabbit hole in depth. But, you know, we want to pray, and our thoughts and our prayers, because praying always comes first. They're going out to all the victims. It's up to 21 dead in uh, Texas uh, uh, with the El Paso shooting. One of them died in the hospital uh, on Monday, and we want to think of those in Ohio. Um, One of the things that we have to look at, though, is the media is pushing this as a white nationalist issue. It's, It's crazy because they have just somehow coalesced all media outlets, all blue check marks on Twitter, all people who are pundits, just all coalesce behind... The El Paso shooting, not so much with the Ohio one. And we'll get to that because come to find out he was an Elizabeth Warren fan. But I need to take issue with the El Paso, Texas shooting and whether or not this is really a white nationalist uh, who shot up the place. Because when you read, I had to read the manifesto and I'm not looking to give this guy, I don't even know his name off the top of my head. I'm not looking to give him any sort of. Uh, pray or you know give him any platform or give him any sort of uh spotlight by by putting his name out there now i do say and i said this the other day to a friend of mine when they go well we shouldn't make him famous we shouldn't put his name out there but we you know what we should find out if there's some motivation we should look up the guy's accounts see if he was saying anything if he posts a manifesto apparently he posted this 20 minutes before on 8chan you know that's where a lot of uh The Gamer Gates uh, came from 4chan, 8chan, which is interesting there because he didn't really have much of a social media presence anywhere else from what I'm aware of. But the other shooter still had his Twitter account up there. He was a Satanist, the one in Ohio. He, A Luciferian, I think, is what he called himself. You also had, along with that, you had the fact that he was a proud Antifa supporter. And he was an Elizabeth Warren uh, fan. But what's interesting here, and I'm not going to make assumptions, but we have to think about a few things, and maybe they're connected. I don't know. These are questions that we should be asking. But he he writes this manifesto. I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's about four pages long. But there's some interesting things that aren't getting the light of day on that kind of make me have a little pause. It's almost as though somebody who wanted to write a manifesto about white supremacy did so, but from the angle of a democratic socialist. It's really bizarre, which makes me wonder. So first he talks about how the invasion is what he calls it, what the media latched onto of the illegal immigrants coming across the border. He first gets into a little, uh, you know, corporations are evil kind of a scenario which right there was something that made me think, okay, that's kind of odd. I mean, most people for the conservative side, um, we're not out there attacking corporations. Now, I have brought up the concern on a previous show about how corporations have turned to join with the Democrats, but that's not what they're making the point of. That's not what he's making the point of in his manifesto. You know, he talks about how, uh, Democrats, if we lose Texas because of heavily uh, Hispanic populations coming across the border, um, is going to make Texas Democrat. Um, this is what he says: Democrat is, is all it would take for them to win nearly every presidential election if they win Texas. Although Republican Party is also terrible, many factions within the Republican Party are pro-corporation. Pro-corporation equals pro-immigration but some factions within the Republican Party don't prioritize corporations over the future. So the Democrats are nearly unanimous with their support of immigration while Republicans are divided over it. At least with Republicans, the process of mass immigration and citizenship can be greatly reduced. Now, here's what he gets into as why this is a concern. So, so far, you think, okay, he's got a healthy disdain for the Republican Party, like just about everybody else who's a Republican, but then he also... Really doesn't like the Democrats. Now, either you can look at it from a binary choice world and think, okay, well, he's probably a Republican. Or you can look at it at the nuanced level. Like there is a current civil war in the Democrat Party. Could he be talking about the Democrat establishment? Who knows? He gives his economic reasons. Now listen to this. In short, immigration can only be detrimental to the future of America. Continued immigration will make one of the biggest issues of our time, automation, so much worse. Some sources say that in order in under 2 decades, half of American jobs will be lost to it. Of course, some people will be retrained, but most will not. So it makes no sense on keeping on letting millions of illegal or legal immigrants flood into the United States and to keep tens of millions that are already here, invaders who have also closed uh, have close to the highest birth rate in all ethnicities in America. Here's where it gets good. In the near future, America will have to initiate a basic universal income to prevent widespread poverty and civil unrest as people lose their jobs. Gosh, I remember Andrew Yang talking about giving out a thousand dollars because of this phenomenon. That's odd. I haven't really heard anybody on the right advocating for universal basic income. Achieving ambitious. Social projects like universal health care and universal basic income would be far more likely to succeed if tens of millions of dependents are removed. So he's got a motivation there to remove illegal immigrants and even legal ones because it would affect universal health care and the possibility of a universal basic income. Wow, that doesn't sound at all like a Republican stance at all. And then he gets into some other issues here that I thought was pretty pretty interesting. It, is, it used to be that a high school degree was worth something. Now a bachelor's degree is what's recommended to be competitive in the job market. The cost of college degrees has exploded as their value has plummeted. Hmm, is he going down the free college road there? This has led to a generation of indebted, overqualified students Filling menial, low-paying, low-paying and unfulfilling jobs. That has been the socialist argument the entire time. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Rashida Tlaib, uh, Ilan Omar, they've all been, co- they've been touting this. Of course, these migrants and their children have contributed to the problem, but are not the sole center of it. The American lifestyle affords our citizens an incredible quality of life. However, our lifestyle is destroying the environment of our country. Twelve years left, huh, Beto? Right? The decimation of the environment is creating a massive burden for future generations. Corporations are healing the destruction of our environment by shamelessly over-harvesting resources. (laughs) So, corporations are leading, is what he meant to say. He misspelled it. Corporations are leading the destruction of our environment shamelessly over harvesting resources. This has been the problem for decades. For example, this phenomenon is brilliantly portrayed in the decades-old classic, the Lorax. Watersheds around the country, especially in agricultural areas, are being depleted. Fresh water is being polluted from farming and oil-drilling corporations. Who talks about oil and oil corporations? Who... Um, the left. <laughs> I mean, this sounds like a democratic socialist. Consumer culture is creating thousands of tons of unnecessary plastic waste and electronic waste and recycling to help slow this down is almost non-existent. Urban sprawl create inefficient cities, which unnecessarily destroy millions of acres of land. We even use God knows how many trees worth of paper towels to wipe water off of our hands. I, this guy does not sound like a white nationalist. This guy sounds like a democratic socialist who is worried about overpopulation, worried about the, the impacts of the big welfare state that they seek to in Norway and, and, and you know, Denmark and Sweden. They know that this, this will not be able to sustain itself with overpopulation of illegals. So he takes it upon himself to go to a Walmart parking lot right there at the border and shoot up and kill 21 people. I to to not look at that as being something significant, you know, to not look at the manifesto, to ignore it completely, it really it it destroys a lot of things if you think about it. Because you're now not getting you're getting the CNN prism you're getting the msnbc talking points of white nationalism this guy couldn't be further from the white nationalist i have a theory i can't prove it yet it's just you know positing questions could he be antifa could he be antifa posing as a white nationalist that would help their cause quite a bit wouldn't it that would help their narrative that they go running around spewing saying White men, remember Rashida Talib. white men are the cause of the biggest uh, acts of terrorism all over the nation. Think of this. Think of the location. And this from PJ Media, FBI investigating Antifa plot to buy guns from Mexican cartel for armed rebellion at the border. An ongoing investigation detailed in an unclassified FBI report warns of a plot by anti-fascist activists to buy guns from a Mexican cartel in order to, quote, stage an armed rebellion at the southern border. This is from the San Diego Union Tribune. The militant Antifa activists plan to disrupt U.S. law enforcement and military security operations at the U.S.-Mexican border, according to a December 2018 document, That went out to dozens of federal law enforcement agencies in the U.S. and Mexico while collecting dossiers on most mostly American journalists, activists and lawyers in Tijuana involved with the migrant caravan. Federal law enforcement officials discovered the alleged plot, which involved activists purchasing guns from a Mexico based cartel associate known as Cobra Commander. I remember this guy or Ivan Rebelling. The unclassified report was provided to the Union Tribune on condition that the person providing it would not be named and with the request that the entire document not be shared online because of the ongoing nature of the investigation. Now, remember, this group, Antifa, a guy just martyred himself by firebombing an ICE detention center. He basically put his life on the line and ended up getting killed, showing up with an AR-15 and tons of ammo, setting up bombs because of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez saying that it was a, uh, you know, concentration camp. So we can't just look at these things. They want to complain about Trump's rhetoric. Look at what happened with the the shooter at the baseball field that took out, you know, almost killed Steve Scalise and took out five Republicans, at least in injuries. He was complaining about health care. Listen to Rand Paul talk about it. I
3: was there at the ball field when Stephen Scalise almost died uh, from a very, very angry, violent man who was incited, really, by rhetoric on the left. And this hasn't been reported enough. When he came onto the field with a semi-automatic weapon, firing probably close to 200 shots at us, shooting five people and almost killing Steve Scalise, he was yelling, this is for health care. He also had a list of conservative legislators, Republicans, in his pocket that he was willing to kill. Mm -hmm. So what happens when when Democrats say get up in their face, they need to realize that there are a lot of unstable people out there. There are people with anger issues. There are people that are prone to violence. They might even live next door to you. You don't know where these people are. <laughs> but what we shouldn't do is incite people to violence. And so we've asked Cory Booker to retract those words. We've asked uh, the Democrats in general to try to ratchet it down and say, look, we want peaceful dialogue.
1: What do he say? Is he going to retract?
3: We've heard indirectly from him that he didn't intend to incite violence. And I, I take him at his word on that. I don't think his intention is to call people to be violent. But getting up in someone's face, getting up in someone's face really kind of does sound like you yeah, want them to get, get you know, nose to nose with them. And the problem is, is rational people might back down. But what's going to happen when the guy comes with a gun to a rally or comes right. with a knife to exactly. a rally? There is going to be an assassination if this doesn't ratchet down. And I think the other
2: side needs to really calm the rhetoric down. So we know that Antifa is planning a tour. That's right. They're planning a tour of the southern border between September 1st and the 10th. Um, Governor Abbott down in Texas, he doesn't want them anywhere near the place. But who knows if this was an Antifa? Maybe we just saw it. Maybe we just saw an armed rebellion right there at the border. Because the guy is espousing talking points that... Those aligned with that Antifa would be spouting off. And they're only taking little points that are littered throughout to kind of give the air of some white nationalist, some sort of a Puritan. I only want white people in the country, which he doesn't really even come out and say completely. But, you know, I've, I've seen in the past, you know, back in the punk days, you saw the skinheads and the sharps. The sharps were the skinheads against racial prejudice. And this, the Sharps and the skinheads would battle all the time. It looked like a Proud Boys versus Antifa fight, except for they actually showed their faces. All their heads were shaved. They had the red suspenders on. They had the Docs, you know, the Doc Martens. But see, this is the thing. When you heard them talk about white power on the, on the skinhead side, they, don't, they never made it sound like this. They weren't talking about climate change and evil corporations, uh, drilling for oil. And they weren't talking about universal basic income. And they weren't talking about all universal healthcare. It, this is, this has to be shown that I have a theory that this guy was Antifa and this was battle one. And what's going to be a long battle because as we lead up to the election, They're going to get more and more violent, just as social media is going to get more and more fascist and pull us offline and minimize us and throttle us down so that we can't go around the firewalls of lies that the fake news give you, MSNBC, CNN. We've been able to skirt and circumvent their narratives because through social media crowdsourcing of truth, we're able to see what's really going on. They're going to minimize that, and the attacks, I believe, I fear, are going to go up and— you know, in numbers and they don't care. They're willing to die firebombing a detention center for their cause. They're willing to make alliances with Mexican drug cartels to buy weapons just so that they can cause a rebellion at the border to attack ice agents. You don't think that they would go to a Walmart parking lot and shoot up the place and then post a BS manifesto up on eight Chan. They know what eight Chan is. So just be skeptical about this situation. Don't accept the narrative that's going around. Sponsor for this portion of the program is Patriot Mobile. Now, Big Mobile is using its influence to push radical, anti-faith, anti-family agendas. If you're using those services, you're supporting their attack on our values. We must become more educated consumers. So don't miss your chance to support gun rights. Especially after everything that's happened this weekend, they're coming after them hard. How about Religious liberty, which is on the chopping block on a regular basis. Immigration law and the sanctity of life. When you switch to veteran led Patriot Mobile, America's only conservative cell phone company, get a free month of service this week only. Join thousands of members like me that switched from Big Mobile when they learned that their cell phone bill was supporting Planned Parenthood in sanctuary cities. So it's easy to switch to Patriot Mobile. You'll save money. You'll get the same super reliable nationwide service, and you'll feel good about funding the right agenda. With unlimited plans starting at as low as $25 a month, get a free month of service and support your values when you come on over. Visit patriotmobile.com, use the promo code come on over. Again, that's patriotmobile.com promo code come on over to enjoy a free month of service. On all new lines this week only. So, to further solidify that the media has lied about what happened in El Paso, this is also in the manifesto. My ideology has not changed for several years. My opinions are on automation, immigration, and the rest predate Donald Trump and his campaign for president. I'm putting this here because some people will blame the president or certain presidential candidates for the attack. That is not the case. I know that the media will probably call me a white supremacist anyways and blame Trump's rhetoric. The media is infamous for fake news. Their reaction to this attack will likely just confirm that. And he's already right. You know, it's, it's really unbelievable when you see the juxtaposition between the two shootings the, and, and what they tried to do with the garlic fest, the Gilroy garlic fest. They tried to pin that on white supremacy, and we debunked that with Instagram post in the last show that we did. Before the debates, and in this situation, it's the same thing. We're dealing with people who are trying to spin this as some sort of crisis. You know, think about here's the situation with the other incident, Connor Betts. This this guy, huh, this guy is the one who shot up the uh, the nightclub in Dayton. Now, his his Twitter feed. Basically, listen, th- listen to his profile. He's a he-him, which we might play, if I've got time, the Democratic Socialist Convention, where that's how they get up and pr- announce themselves. Uh, Hi, I'm so-and-so. I'm a he-him. So he's a he-him. He's an anime fan. He's a metalhead, a leftist, and I'm going to go to hell and I'm not coming back is on his, uh, on his uh, Twitter profile. He's also a self-proclaimed Satanist. Hashtag hail Satan. On the date of the Republican uh, Senator John McCain's death, he wrote F-U-C-K John McCain. He also liked tweets referencing El Paso's mass shooting hours before the Dayton one. So he actually wrote November 2nd, 2018, vote blue for God's sake. Because he was really worried about the uh, the midterm elections. This is America. Guns on every corner, guns in every house, no freedom, but that to kill, he wrote December 2018. Tis the pistol is a Beretta 93R called the R-E-K-7 in B-O-4 or b 4 Do love me some guns. He wrote hammer, brick gun. On February 14th, 2018, he tweeted this at Senator Rob Portman. Hey, Rob, how much do they pay you to look the other way? 17 kids are dead. If not now, when? So he was talking about the Parkland school shooting. So this guy is a leftist. He actually supported or he supports a run from Elizabeth Warren. And no one's talking about Elizabeth Warren's rhetoric. No one's blaming it on. And rightfully so. We should not be blaming this idiot on Elizabeth Warren. We should not be blaming John Hodgkinson on Bernie Sanders, who shot up Steve Scalise, Rand Paul, and a bunch of other people at the congressional baseball practice. But we should also not be spinning the Garlic Festival shooter and this guy in El Paso on Donald Trump. But the media, they don't care. They don't care at all. And the difference in coverage is amazing. And we're going to get into some of the uh, interesting background Stories Because I don't really think that the shooting in Dayton is completely 100% political. I think he's a leftist. He's an Antifa supporter. But I don't think this is some sort of Antifa mission. But the more I research the El Paso one, there's some interesting things that are going on that don't really add up unless there was more than one individual involved. But for the most part, what this guy did in Dayton, he's got mental issues He's got a lack of uh, empathy. He doesn't have respect for life. He even killed his own sister and her partner or boyfriend or whatever. But we'll get into that here in just a moment. This portion of the program is sponsored by Cat Coolers. So rugged, it changes everything. They keep ice cold for up to seven days. Made in the United States, customizable, four different colors, white, black, yellow, even camouflage. Look, if you're going out on the lake, doing some fishing, it's beach weather. Maybe you're going camping with the kids. Maybe you're in the Boy Scouts. Maybe you want to take the cooler out on the job site. For those people that work with you, this thing will keep your items cool for hours. Spring, summer, right around the corner, picnicking, outdoor season is upon us, boys and girls. A cat cooler will be your new best friend. Keep your food and drink fresher, colder, longer. Go to catcoolers.com. Use the promo code ADRIAN catcoolers.com. Use the promo code Adrian and you will pick up an amazing Gibraltar-esque sturdy rugged cooler that will keep your items cold for hours. This is Adrian Slade. Adrian Slade Broadcast. So we're talking about the tale of two shootings, the tale of two media narratives. And reluctantly, reluctantly, the news media is slowly coming out to say that what's going on, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe a little bit uh, one sided. They're finally starting to acknowledge that the guy who shot up the nightclub in, in Dayton, Ohio, might have had leftist tendencies, might be an Antifa supporter. But again, I'm not saying that that shooting incident in and of itself is a political statement. I think he just snapped. The other one in El Paso, I don't know. I mean, he obviously put up a political manifesto. And I was discussing this online and I had some idiot say, well, hey, thanks for politicizing this whole issue. I'm like, well, let's see. What did we do? A shooting happened. Hollywood, politicians, the news media all politicized it immediately immediately. And then there was a manifesto with political content throughout it. I point out the inconsistencies and somehow I'm the one pushing this political agenda. It's really unbelievable with these people. So this guy, this guy, Connor Betts, um, a few things about this guy that are interesting. One of the things is... He uh, he's got serious mental issues, and he obviously with his Twitter feed. He's all about um, guns, politics, anime. He's a leftist. Really loves uh, Elizabeth Warren. He also um, he also played for a band. <laughs> yeah, he played for a he played for a, he was lead singer for a band called the Minstrel Munchies, a porno grind metal band. And let me say something real quick about that whole scene, that whole state. I don't know much about porno grind or porno grind. It apparently it has to do with necrophilia and and uh, gore metal. and But it comes from the gore metal scene. Look, when I was coming up, like I talked about earlier, in the music scene, you know, when I was really young, there was like, you know, we listened to Kiss. We listened to uh, Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin. But we also had Michael Jackson, like, off the wall. And we had you know, funk and, and parliament and disco. And we, you know, my parents listened to just about everything. My dad would listen to Blondie. I mean, we were pretty all over the musical spectrum. But as I got into my teens, I was really fascinated with the punk scene that was breaking out and really the, the hardcore scene because of its energy. And one of the things that got me was over the years, you know, there were certain evolutions in that style of music. Hardcore and metal started fusing together to make thrash metal. And then eventually it got to the point where you had grindcore and you had black metal. And then you had bands like anal C U N T. I don't want to say what that stands for, but they, you know, they had songs like Living Color is my favorite black metal band, which I thought was the best best title for a song. Um, because yeah, Living Color, they're black, but they're not black metal, but they're black people playing metal. Also, You've got groups like Cattle Decapitation. I mean, these these groups, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's. I can't wait for them to win a Grammy. <laughs> Winner of the next Grammy for Best Metal Music, it's Cattle Decapitation. Go take your kids out to see them. I was into some of those groups on the edge, you know, when the scene broke out, you know, Napalm Death, uh, you know, uh, Entombed. The one thing I liked about Entombed was they took a turn from away from the grindcore they didn't they kind of moved away from the morbid angel scene and they ended up in this kind of proto hardcore hate breed kind of thing, which I kind of dug. It was pretty cool. Um, bolt thrower, you know, groups like that. But it lost me because just they they just took things too far. You know, they sounded like a freaking wood chipper on the drums, like a wood chipper on steroids. It was almost like they were a broken typewriter. It's like I'm like, oh, that's a blast beat. That's got no rhythm. It just sounds like somebody just just losing their poop on a drum set. Give me the power of like bands like you know Gorilla Biscuits and Leeway and you know the agnostic front, and they had that, they had those fast beats, but there was a there was a definition between the contrast of bass drum and snare where you you know it had that that movement. It was still fast, but it had more energy, it had more power. You know, even like the thrash metal scene. You know, with Metallica and Anthrax and uh, and Slayer and all that, there was power in it. Pantera came along in the second wave. They had power behind it. You lose all that power when you muddy up the waters with all this grindcore crap. But that's just my opinion. I had to throw that out there. So this guy, he plays in this porno grind metal band, and uh, gosh, in the Midwest uh, death metal scene, he uh, appeared as one of the band's on the Summer Massacre tour concert back in Chicago on June 29th, porno grind is a subgenre of a fast, extreme kind of heavy metal called grindcore, which is known for its mostly dark, satirical themes of sexual violence and uh, gore uh, delivered for shock value. So this guy already had issues. <laughs> because i would known people that played in that scene, some of them weren't, some of them were fine guys. Some of them were actually the most uh, quiet, um, unspoken people. But then there were some that you were like, mm, I don't know if I want to hang out with that cat anymore. He's something wrong with that dude. Um, so but anyways, back to the back to this Connor guy. There was a post that was put up on Medium, supposedly by an ex girlfriend, and he talked about how, or she talked about how they uh, were in a relationship. She was uh, polyamorous, which means she had multiple uh, guys in the relationship. One of which, I think I think in reading it, they're like, she's like, I was polyamorous and I had a fiance. Oh, but he was out of town on work. No, you were hooking up behind his back and you just justified it by calling yourself polyamorous. But that's just me. So, but here's what a little bit of what she said. Connor was a perfect gentleman throughout our relationship. He never pushed me to do things I didn't want to do. His biggest concern was that I was comfortable. Polyamory is confusing for everyone involved, except for the one making out with all the perks. But anyways, that's just my own Uh, Yeah, my own comment. But luckily, he and my fiance at the time were both understanding and consenting. So then she talks about how one night he was playing in his band, menstrual munchies, and he got drunk. So most of the time I couldn't understand what he was saying. Yeah, because I was going. Connor was naturally a mumbler with a low voice. So there you go. He fits the prerequisite of that genre. But then to add drunk slurring on top of it definitely made it a struggle to understand him. Yeah, I would say a toasted, sloshed, death metal, grindcore singer was probably very difficult to understand. I did catch bits and pieces among his topic, jumping that he wanted to hurt a lot of people. He didn't have any specific plans. I wrote it off as him being sad, a sad drunk man who was affected by unchecked symptoms of mental illness. She said the next red flag was the letter. We had plans to grab lunch one day, and he asked if I could drop off a letter to one of his friends who had just moved into town. I said, sure, that's sweet. When we drove by the house, though, there was someone working in the yard outside. He pouted and said he wanted the letter to be a surprise, so I suggested that he come back after lunch. And that's what we did. Sure enough, there was still someone outside. I told him just to deliver it anyways, but he got frustrated. When I pushed the subject further, he told me that, he was, that this was his ex-girlfriend's house, that he found through a picture on Facebook. Then I asked to read the letter. I don't remember the exact words, but it was something to the effect of, quote, welcome to the the neighborhood. You can't outrun your past, signed, your neighbor. I asked him what that was about, and if he knew how messed up that sounded. He tried to downplay it as a joke, but I knew it wasn't, so I pushed further. He admitted that sometimes he got uncontrollable urges to do things. The only other example of those urges that I remember is burning down an abandoned building with his friends. He told me that he always felt terrible afterwards. I took that opportunity to try to show him a coping method. We pulled into the parking lot, uh, lot jammed a letter in a hole under the parking block, lit it on fire, and watched to make sure that the pieces didn't fly off and start a wildfire. So she goes on to say that you know, two months later, you know, after she breaks up with him because she was really not down with his behavior over time, That's when she got the text on the day of the shooting. And she asked if uh, somebody texted her and said, is Connor the shooter? And she thought, that's a weird question. Then my boyfriend Googled it. They realized the shooter's name was Connor Betts. And everything stopped. She went numb. She started crying, didn't have any feelings anymore. Um, She was really just shocked that her uh, boyfriend was a mass murderer. And then I found out about his sister. His sister. He liked his sister. Why would he kill his sister? He didn't like his parents. But that couldn't have been the cause. He was drunk at a bar and too impulsive for that to be the cause. I have no idea what his motivation was. I will never know. So, I mean, I don't know if this is actually somebody who was an ex, but it's really interesting if it is because it really shows you that there's two different aspects to these shootings. we got to take the media's twisting to show, because the media runs cover for things. The media always runs cover for things. Now there is an interesting thing with the shooter because he actually reached out to um, what are they called? Andy Andy No had this up, the Socialist Rifle Association, which is basically a uh, version of the John Brown Gun Club. It's an antifa gun club, military gun club, and he had reached out to him. And they said, well, bump stocks serve no political purpose and are essentially toys. However, it is interesting to note that the candidate promoted by the NRA is the one that said, I like taking guns away early. Take the guns first. Go through due process second. The other thing to consider is that this is the first time in a long time that gun policy has been outright confiscatory. This new rule will require, require owners of bump stocks to turn them into law enforcement or to destroy them. When Denver did this, not a single person turned up with a bump stock. This suggests the new ATF rule will be unable to remove bump stocks from private hands, even with the threat of imprisonment. So he was reaching out to get information on that. But what's interesting about this whole thing is the media's running cover for the El Paso one, cherry picking the manifesto, taking parts out that could be construed as white supremacists, leaving all the other things under the dust. And then on this side, they're acting as though nothing really big ever happened. And now they're starting to say, well... We don't know if it's politically motivated, but he had leftist ideas. I think he had leftist alignment in Daytona. Or, uh, um, not Daytona, sorry. (laughs) Dayton. I don't want to be Donald Trump calling it Toledo here. But he had leftist tendencies. He was aligned with Elizabeth Warren. He was aligned with Antifa. But I don't think that this was a calculated political attack. But there's no media trying to spin that one in that direction. They're only stating some facts. The other one, they're spinning it. And what's really interesting is what happened just the other day and looking up this information and I run across, 8chan was where this manifesto was apparently posted. 8chan got yanked of its server capabilities, so they're having to find a new location. But there was something interesting that the owner of 8chan said. Just listen to this. Alice, by design, he decided to terminate us.
1: This is, of course, an untrue statement. He did terminate us, though. So it becomes time to find a new home. Think of 8chan as a large community of one million people that are now looking for a home. First of all, the El Paso shooter posted on Instagram, not 8chan. Later, someone uploaded a manifesto. However, that manifesto was not uploaded by the Walmart shooter. I don't know if he wrote it or not, but it was not uploaded by the murderer, that is clear, and law enforcement was made aware of this before most people had even heard the horrific news. The spirit and letter of the law have always been faithfully fulfilled, and my company has always made certain of that. It is unfortunate that this place of free speech has temporarily been removed. We are working to restore service. Thank you to the incredible people
2: and companies that are helping with this task. So apparently on 8chan, this wasn't posted by the shooter. So it's one of two things. Either it was posted by somebody as a troll, which some people had tried to suggest. But you have incredible foresight to post this thing online. You have incredible foresight to post it online before the shooting. And not only that, the FBI actually was flagged by 8chan over this post. And apparently the FBI knew before the shooting happened, just couldn't stop it in time. Another known wolf that the FBI just couldn't catch in time. Amazing how that happens. They always know the shooter of, this, of the Pulse nightclub and San Bernardino and all this stuff. Oh, he's on the FBI radar. Yet the FBI always drops the ball. We've talked about that, how there's a pro- a program where they supply the weapons to a shooter and try to catch them before the act. But you know, maybe that's what happened in Vegas too. I don't know. So uh, there's more to this story. We just have to keep digging. Combat flip flops, bad for running, worse for fighting. Combat flip flops is a veteran-owned company that funds education and demining. Everything Combat Flip Flops manufactures is made in an area of conflict or post-conflict like Afghanistan, Colombia, Laos, and you can check out more about Combat Flip Flops by checking out the TED Talk by Combat Flip Flops CEO Matt Griffin on YouTube. You can also use the promo code SLADE25 and you will get 25% off of your first purchase. Go to CombatFlipFlops.com. That's CombatFlipFlops.com. Now, one of the things that probably should have been said or should have been looked at, especially when we were talking about the, uh, the girlfriend or the ex-girlfriend of Connor Betts up there in Dayton, is that when they're at a bar, she actually wrote about this too, that he decided to eh, show the stream of the Christchurch shooting to her while they were having drinks at the bar. She said, luckily, the noise was so loud, it kind of detracted from what was going on. Seems a bit disconcerting, if you ask me. So now let's go back to the El El Paso shooter. Steve Hopper, this guy's a 30-year veteran of the FBI. He was on Mike Broomhead's radio show. He said the El Paso shooter, during interviews, said he was triggered after watching the DNC debate, not the most recent one that we covered, but the first one, where all the candidates raised their hands to provide health insurance to illegal immigrants. It was the insanity that the Democrat presidential debates had that triggered the shooter, not Trump's language from the Gateway Pundit. He said, when most of the recent debate or when, when the most recent debate, when they all said free health care, they all raised their hands. That's what pushed him over the edge. He felt he was justified. He felt he ran out of alternatives. Unbelievable. So it was actually the rhetoric of the debates. And I'm telling you, there's something to it. I do not believe this guy was some white nationalist that just, you know, is advocating for universal basic income. I had this argument with somebody online and they were saying, well, you know, just because they advocate for universal basic income doesn't mean that, you know, they're not outside of being a white nationalist. I'm saying, tell me which white nationalist group out there is advocating for universal basic income. Ask me or show me. KKK. Is there a KKK group out there that wants universal basic income? No. The only ones advocating for it are the Democratic Socialists of America. And when these idiot journalists jump on board, it just gets worse. They sat there all weekend saying the president needs to condemn white nationalism. And then he does. Monday morning, he gets out there and does a little press conference and Puts it right there, laid bare. Just puts it out there. That wasn't enough for them. Not at all. They they sat there. The New York Times. Actually, that was the craziest part of this whole thing. The New York Times actually put out a headline. Trump urges unity versus racism. This made them go insane. This made them... inundate the New York Times with all of their outrage to the point where they went back and redid the headline to say assailing hate but not guns are you serious the best part about it was that Mark Penn he's a jerk a, a, a guy on Twitter with a blue check mark so he must be important he actually made a good point said the day a Twitter mob can change a headline on the New York Times th- this paper's truly finished and it needs to be replaced because it's a new kind of 1984 ministry of truth the news is now what people say it is and the most amazing part of this Nate Silver from 538 the guy who does the polls actually said he he laughed about it said imagine a world where subscriber based businesses are responsive to their subscribers not freaking orwell bro um yeah if it was buzzfeed maybe Huffington Post, and you had a subscription? Maybe. But you're, these people are claiming that they're an objective news agency, and now they're peeing all over their credibility because they don't want their subscribers to get mad? <laughs> Unbelievable. But the, Dem- the Democrat Party is fueling all of this. You've got Beto out there talking about, he shows a picture of a guy being detained, a black guy, by two mounted police officers. Well, they have him on a, uh, like, sort of a chain connected to his, his handcuffs, he gets out there and acts as though this is some sort of racial uh, bigotry that they're dragging this guy like he was you know in Texas in the back was it Jasper, Texas, the guy who was drugged to death by the back of the car because he was black and he was in the wrong part of town back in the, the '90s or early '80s or somewhere around then. I, there's no limit as to what these people will do. Listen to this pundit, and he's, he goes on about how how Donald Trump decides he wants to lower the flags to half-mast and listen to his justification for that action, being white nationalist and or even neo-Nazi.
0: We have to understand the adversary and the threat we're dealing with. And if we don't understand how they think, we'll never understand how to counter them. So it's the little things and language and messaging that matters. The president said that we will fly our flags at half-mast until... August 8th. That's 8-8. Now I'm not going to imply that he did this deliberately but I am using it as an example of the ignorance of the adversary that's being demonstrated by the White House. The numbers 8-8 are very significant in neo-Nazi and white supremacy movement. Why? Because the letter H is the eighth letter of the alphabet and to them the numbers 8-8 together stand for Heil Hitler. So we're going to be raising the flag Back up uh, at dusk on 8-8. No one's thinking about this. No one's no one's giving him the advice or he's rejecting the advice. So, an example of that.
2: I mean, that's one hell of a stretch. But you know what? The media's going to go there. And when you have that happening, you've got them gaslighting everybody. You've got other representatives like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez out there doxing Team Mitch, Mitch McConnell's people. Listen to this first. She goes out and says, here's a close-up in case you're having trouble recognizing them in the photo posted to social media. Look forward to hearing your update on these individuals, Team Mitch. And it's a group of kids, teenagers. They got a cardboard cutout of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and they're being silly. You know, he's wrapping his hand around her, kissing her on the cheek. Well, then they start revealing the names. Somebody online starts doxing them, puts their names out there. And then this doesn't help the fact that there is already... An unhealthy uh, edge against Mitch McConnell. People are at his house protesting and out there saying they wish him to die. You want to make it down there a little bit further?
3: I want to get shot though.
1: (laughs) I don't either. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm thinking we did. I wish the would tackle me. I'm worried about it. I am not trying to break my shoulder like Mitch. I want to have
3: that whole surgery for what was his his tongue or some shit. This bitch got beat up by his neighbor. Now, I can't oh, see nothing this somebody way. somebody out there with some booty dolls in these what? That's what I'm hoping. What? Hopefully some mother**** out there with some booty dolls in these bitches. Yeah, you know somebody is. That's probably what it is. Just stab
2: the mother**** in the heart, please. Yeah, they're they're pushing violence. Then you've got Joaquin Castro, Julian Castro, a presidential candidate's brother, his identical twin. He's also a congressman of San Antonio. He decides he's going to put out all the information of people that were in his constituency, his citizens, that he represents. He's going to put all their personal information out there if they donated to Trump. And then he gives us this crap invest, uh, justification.
4: Also, Joe, and before before I, I get into the discussion, I want to mention that, that some of these Republicans said that I doxed these people. Doxing is when you tell somebody somebody's physical address or phone number none of that was in this graphic that I shared, which was first put up and circulated by a local indivisible group. My post was actually a lament. If you look at my language, I said that it's sad that these folks, many of whom are prominent business owners in San Antonio, a city that's about 65% Hispanic, their customers, the people that have made them wealthy, their employees, the people that have worked for them for years, Many of those folks are Hispanic and they're giving their money to a guy who's running ads talking about Hispanics invading this country. So it was a lament about all of us go to the the restaurants these people own, the businesses that they own. We patronize these places and they're giving this money, their money to this guy who's taking their money and using it to buy Facebook ads, talking about how Hispanics are invading this country and that there is a cost to that. We saw the cost of that in El Paso over the weekend, that people died. The manifesto that that mm-hmm. guy wrote could have been
2: written by by the people that write Trump speeches. Does anyone not remember what Indivisible is? He justifies this. Well, you know, Indivisible put this out. Indivisible is an Antifa-affiliated organization under Democracy Alliance who is being co-opted by Democracy Alliance as being... The resistance to push from every angle some sort of revolution against Donald Trump. It's really unbelievable. And I think we need to go back and listen to, you know, a little hip-hop song we made about their, their violence. And when you listen to the middle of it, you get Nancy Pelosi telling you exactly their strategy on how they do things like white nationalism, calling Trump a racist. She puts it out in bare detail how that's effective. Listen to this. And if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant,
1: in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. They face nicely. They face nicely. They
2: face They go low, we kick
1: them. They face nicely. face nicely. They go low, he
0: You smear somebody with falsehoods and all the rest. And then you
2: merchandise it. This is about the closest I'll probably ever have in my life to an I am Spartacus moment.
0: And then you write it, and if they see it's reported in the press that this, 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 and this, so they have that validation that the press reported the smear. And then it's called the wrap-up smear. Now I'm getting merchandise,
1: the press is reporting. they go low, we kick
0: You cannot be civil with a political party that wants to destroy what you stand for, what you care about.
2: That's what this new Democratic Party is about. One of the real problems we're going to have here is if they're going to try to take our guns, that's going to be an issue. And Donald Trump is nodding that he's going to do some sort of executive action, red flag laws that circumvent due process. Maybe uh, we'll just take guns away and give them back later. That is going to be a giant mark on his presidency. And it's for his election to lose if he doesn't step up. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning into the show. Listen to us on Mojo Five O Radio. You can find that on iHeartRadio or go to Mojo50.com every Wednesday, 10 p.m. You can also listen to us on the weekends, Saturday, 5 p.m., Sunday morning, midnight. Also, get the podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker, TuneIn, iHeart, Overcast, Wherever podcasts are hosted, and be sure to give us a review. Give us a good five-star review that's going to help us go up in the ratings so we're more visible to others. You can also donate to the show, go to patreoncom Slade show. Give two dollars a month or go to anchor.fm and search Adrian Slade. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Gab, Mewe, Parlor convo snippy search adrian slade follow us on twitter at rants out loud or at adrian slade show which is the official show page on twitter and you can also read the blog AdrianSladeshow.com. you can also get the adrian slade show roku channel in your streaming store on the roku streaming channel store be sure to download the adrian slade show roku channel we'll see you guys next time thanks for tuning in